when the world is crumbling around you, when everything you used to cling to falls apart, what are you to do? How do you move forward? Embrace the only constant. What is that constant? It's God, who is greater than all the highs and lows. Well, praise God. Well, good morning, everybody. Whether you are here in person, we are thrilled to have you here. Whether you're watching online, welcome, everybody. Or if you're in Alma right now, we're giving you a shout-out of lots of love. And if you're here today, particularly for the first time, you've come at a great time because this is week number one of a brand new series. In fact, this is like our fall kickoff uh, for the season. And so uh, you've here, you're here at a great time. Uh, so let me say this very clearly. God is greater than the highs and lows. Amen? God is greater than the highs and lows. And I'm going to guess that most of us in this room, if you've been following Christ for any period of time, you could look back quite quickly and say, man, I remember when things were great and everything was going fantastic. And I, I know that I experienced God with me in my life. And equally so, I'm sure almost every one of us can think of times where it was the opposite. Life was painful and difficult and full of angst and strife. And yet you would look back and you would say, he didn't leave me. He did not abandon me. In fact, it, it seemed as though he took me by the hand and his presence. When even sometimes I was unfaithful and wayward and going in the wrong direction, God was always faithful. So let me say it again. God is greater than the highs and lows. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at. In fact, more specifically, what I want to do is... I want us to deliberately go to God's Word and look at what is taking place in our world today and say, God, what are you saying? Two things that stand out hugely. A global pandemic, have you noticed? And then in this country, and I think it has spilled out into other countries as well, this crescendo of intolerance towards racism. And over the next four weeks... We're going to spend some time looking at what this pandemic has done to us, how it's affected us, and we're going to address an intolerance towards racism and go to God's Word and say, God, what are you speaking into our lives? And in all of that, we declare that you are greater, that you will be magnified whether we are on top of Mount Everest or whether we feel like life is kicking me in the ribs right now. And this is not a lot of fun, but I believe, despite that, that God is with me, he doesn't abandon me, and he's greater than all of this. Ugh. And so that's what we're going to look at uh, as we learn and grow together. Now, I realize that's all a little heavy, so I thought I'd start off with one or two things that I saw online over the last few weeks that just took my fancy, and I think it's good to laugh. Some of these are funny, some of them are kind of cute. First one is this, homeschooling, homeschooling is going well, two students suspended for fighting, and one teacher fired for drinking on the job. This morning, I saw a neighbor talking to her cat. It was obvious she thought the cat understood her. I came into the house, told my dog, and we laughed a lot. I'm so excited. It's time to take out the garbage. Hmm, what should I wear today? I was working on my porch for months. I would like, I'd follow the shade because we had a hot summer. And so I'd go in the back and I'd go in the, in the, in the morning. I'd be in the front. They just knew where it was cool. And I remember the, the, uh, the post came, that little car, and he dropped off the post in all the letterboxes. And I was like, 
hmm, you know, I'll walk down and I'll pick up the bills. That's usually what it is. And then at the same time, like four or five neighbors, we all came out. It was like we were looking out the window waiting for something to do. Last one. This is my favorite. Very sad to report today that I'm eight days into self-isolation. You know, it's very upsetting to see my wife. She's gazing out the window, staring aimlessly into space, tears running down her cheeks. Breaks my heart to see her like this. I've even considered letting her in, but rules are rules. <laughs> I like that one. Okay, check out the side screens, because it hasn't been all bad. Beautiful, wonderful things have taken place all around the world during COVID-19. Do you guys remember these clips? And these were happening in cities everywhere. They're singing to each other. They're grabbing their instruments and they're making music across balconies and high rises and different homes. And in, it's exactly what Shane was talking about, this intrinsic need inside every one of us to be in relationship and community. Do you remember this at the beginning? Particularly the early on. Different cities picked a time and they'd honk their horns, they'd get their pots and pans out. And what were they doing? They were honoring people on the front lines. Policemen and paramedics and doctors and nurses. And we saw neighbors helping neighbors. We saw birthday parades. We had a few actually uh, around here. We saw uh, businesses giving away free food, trying to help other people. And so in the midst of what has been challenging and difficult, we see just some beautiful, beautiful things going on when people looking to connect with each other. But then, of course, we realize that it hasn't all been wonderful, has it? It's been a little hard. In fact, we've seen tremendous tr struggle, a massive global viral pandemic. It has taken people's lives. We have seen national economies turn on their heads. Do you remember these boats coming in filled with crude oil? It cost more money to send it to get it refined. Actually, crude oil, actually, its value was reduced to negative numbers. Huge unemployment loss, financial strain, stress, anxiety, worry, political craziness, empty shelves at the grocery store, blaming, finger-pointing, rise in domestic violence, the media going bananas and all this stuff, people looking at numbers every day, where's the curve, that's the conversation. And then on a very deeply personal level, and this is actually what we're going to address today, isolation. Now, it wasn't for everybody, but for a large portion of the population... I remember driving around like, there's not really many cars on the road. Everyone was hunkering down, and they were at home. Isolation. And I, I don't know that I've really experienced that before much at all. This feeling in the pit of your stomach, and uh, so many people. You know, I, I'm worried, what if I get sick? What if I run out of stuff? I need to stockpile, I need more food. What if we run out of the basics? And just anxious about all of those things. And again, I just don't know that really many of us have experienced that before. Now again, after describing that, I just want to say this out loud. God is greater than the highs and the lows. Amen? And so despite all of that, and it's not really quite done yet, is it? We still are saying, Lord, Lord even if it's awful and we're churning up inside, we just declare this truth that you're greater. I remember going to Meyer, and I, honestly, my uh, probably temperament is, I'm, and I'm glad for this, I'm not really given to a lot of, you know, worrying about stuff or anxiety, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, but I remember going into Meyer early, early on, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a few extra bits, you know, here, and I walked in, and I immediately felt it, and I was like, whoa, 
It was like tangible panic. It was just panic. Nobody was looking at anybody. And there was a little crazy in everybody's eyes. And it was like, I'm getting my stuff and I'm getting out of here. And I remember feeling that going, oh, I don't know again that I've experienced that much before. Some of these lessons, you didn't pick them. You didn't choose. Hmm, I'd like to experience this. Some of this stuff was just thrust upon us, kind of forced upon us. It was a change that you had to embrace whether you wanted to or not. And here's what wisdom says. Wisdom says, and this is what we're going to do for the next five weeks, in the context of this, your voice, your heart, God, what are you saying to us? What, where is the voice of God in the midst of a viral pandemic and this crescendo of intolerance towards racism? Where is the heart and the voice of God? Because wisdom says, don't just breeze through it and see if you can survive. Take stock for a minute. Take, take a moment right now. Do you remember pre-COVID, when none of us saw this coming? And think about your life. Then COVID kicks in. Change. Whether you wanted it or not, think about that. How did you respond to that? And now I want you to bring it right to today. Because I know it's not all gone and it's not like, oh, never mind, all that's done with. But it's changed, right? I mean, we've seen a loosening of restrictions. It's not the same way that it was you know, in, the, in those first few weeks or even that first month or two. And, and we see there's more movement and some little bit of loosening of restrictions. Well, how's that going for you right now? What does that look like? The mission statement of this church is to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. And by that, we simply mean, in fact, we are utterly convinced that that normal life, particularly pre-COVID, that I want you to just take stock of right now, that normal life is a noisy, hurried, running around with your head cut off, overstimulated, frantic pace of life, constantly looking to stimulate yourself, chasing after the American dream. And if I could put it in one word, I would just say it's more. You know, I want more. More of what? All of it. I want more clothes, I want a new car, I want a bigger house, I want more vacations, I want more, I want new gadgets, I want new toys. It's that, and sometimes that stuff ends up running your life, and you don't even realize it. It's like you're caught up in the rat race, you don't even realize it, and what happens is somebody gets dethroned and usurped in your life, and it's God. Because you're going so fast, so loud, so hurried, so much frantic activity, so much chasing after this stuff, do you know what the word is when something usurps and dethrones God in your life? Biblically, the word for that is idolatry. And I think that's commonplace for all of us. I don't think that's even a hard thing for me to like, I'm not even trying to twist your arm on that. I, almost anyone would go, yeah, that's normal life, busy, noisy, loud, overcommitted. Now we see a loosening of restrictions. Will you go back to the way your life was? Are you going to be like, great, bring on the noise and stimulus, let me go chasing all that stuff again? Or God, are you actually going, is there something that we need to learn from all of this? Rather than automatically revert to just the way that you were. And my concern is that we won't even think about it. And we'll just go back to those RPMs at, at a high rate of speed. Along comes COVID-19, and here's a scripture that comes to mind. It's God's version of, shh. He says, be still and know 
but I'm God. I almost feel like God slammed on the brakes. Whether you wanted it or not, be still, shh, and know that I'm God. I need you to hush. <laughs> That's what God did to us. And I know for me, I, I set up an office in my bedroom, and I spent a lot of time in that room, and my emails went down, and my phone didn't, wasn't ringing as much, and it was just different. And I sat there, and I got quiet, quieter than I'd been in quite a while. And while I don't think any of us would wish to go back to the beginning of all of this stuff, like February, March, and do all of that again, I do believe that there are wonderful things, good, great things that God wants to teach us and speak into our lives from this experience. And I don't want you to lose that. You see, deadlines for many of you were taken away. And maybe for the first time in years, you actually caught your breath. And then I know this sounds simple and maybe even trivial, but I think from, I heard so many people say this. They ended up doing things that they hadn't done in years, fun things. Like, you know, someone who's like, I used to love to bake, but I haven't done that in years. And so they started doing that or doing some puzzles or they picked up an instrument that they hadn't played in years. You know, these simple little things and they were just quiet and it was good and it was enjoyable and it was fun. For some of you, you really did hush. You found yourself with some time to be quiet, to be still. And you're like, I don't remember the last time I'd, I've been able to do that. And what you experience in that is you experience his presence and his power and his word and his voice and his love and his care over you. For others of you, and I, and I realize there's different stages of life, you know, there's whether, you know, you've got little ones or teenagers or maybe the kids have, are gone and there's, there's single people and married people and, and all of that. But for some of you, what you ended up is you were like, man, I, I got to spend more time maybe with my kids or my grandkids. Or I got to spend a ton of time with my spouse. And, and now you would say, I actually feel closer to them or closer to killing them, one or the other. What do we do with all of that? Worst case scenario, what I'm saying to you is, we just go, ah, oh, things are getting a little bit more back to normal and hopefully it goes back in that way and I'm just going to go back to my pre-COVID-19 life. Hurried and rushed and noisy and chasing more. And stillness and quietness and being with God goes back to where it was prior. Second place. Today, what I want to dig into more than anything else is this idea of isolation. It's not a word that you would hear too often, but over the last few weeks and months, we've heard it all the time. I believe that God has a solution to isolation. I believe God has a solution to aloneness. And here's how I want to state it if I could. I want to put it and pose it in the form of a question. And I think you'll track with me in just a second. Uh, I want to simply put it like this. What do you do when the phone rings? Sometimes the phone rings and it's good news. And that's nice. But sometimes the phone rings. It's not so good. I literally had one this morning. Un unbelievable timing that I was going to use this as an illustration. And uh, my modern day phone ringing was a WhatsApp message from my mom. And she was driving in the car from Galway over to Dublin uh, to her mom, who's in her early 90s. And she said, Alan, I want you to leave a message for your grandmother. I think today's her last day. And so early this morning in the dark, in the back of that parking lot, I sat there. And I left a message, a message on WhatsApp for my grandmother. And I told her I loved her. And I said goodbye to her. 
What do you do when the phone rings? A breakup. A crisis. An accident. Something you didn't see coming. A pandemic called COVID-19. I didn't expect that. Nobody saw that coming. What I'm saying to you is, it will happen in your life. Or for many of you, it will happen in your life again. The phone will ring, and when it does, you will find yourself living in one of two conditions. You will find yourself living mostly in isolation, mostly disconnected from other people, largely on your own emotionally or relationally or spiritually, not really sure if there's anybody that you can reach out to in that moment when the phone rings. Or the second condition, you will find yourself living in community. You are surrounded by people who know you and love you and care about you. And because you have spent time and you've eaten together and gotten to know each other and laughed together and cried together and prayed with each other and played together and supported and struggled and done life together, then they will come and they will hold you up and they will strengthen you and support you and keep you as if it were by an invisible force because actually it is an invisible force. In the Bible, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, he does something pretty, pretty profound. He contrasts the strength of people living in a relationship with the fragility and vulnerability of people who don't have that. Incredible scripture. It's like, Lord, thank you for all of the riches in your word. This is what it says in chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What the biblical writer said thousands of years ago, is actually confirmed by research today. There's a Harvard researcher, a fellow by the name of Robert Putman, and he writes that people who are relationally isolated are more likely to experience colds, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, depression, and premature death of all sorts. He cites over a dozen studies that show people who are socially disconnected that they are between two and five times more likely to die from some of those causes compared to matched individuals who have close relational ties in their life. God's plan is for nobody to be alone. For everybody to be known and cared for and cherished. And his plan for that is called church. There's never been anything like church. At the very beginning of church, we see this book, Acts the second chapter, it's a classical chapter in the scripture where it talks about these new, this new community that was given birth to. And it says the following about these followers of Jesus Christ. It says, they devoted themselves. It's a strong word. They were utterly devoted to this community. They learned together with the apostles that taught them. They learned about Jesus. They spent time with each other. They had fellowship with each other. They got very real. They took off their masks. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. I thought that was funnier than everybody else. They prayed together. They shared meals together. They suffered together. And then, it's no doubt about it, you have a cursory glance of, of that book of Acts. 
there was just this extraordinary generosity that came out of everybody towards the community. Just generosity of their, their finances and their resources and their help and their time. And when would they do this? On a Sunday? It said every day they would just go to the temple. They would worship together. They would come back. They had these home churches and they would just break bread. They would share meals with each other. God hates aloneness. God loves family. God loves inclusion. Jesus, when he said, you know, how do we pray? He's like, I'm going to show you how to pray. Look at the plurality, the word that he uses. He says, when you pray, this is the word that you use. It's not my father. What is it? It's our father. You are not in this by yourself. In other words, you've got millions of brothers and sisters that you've yet to meet. And just so you know, of all the ways that we humanly mess up the church, and we are so guilty of doing that today and down through the centuries of history, of all the ways, the church still works in extraordinary ways. Same researcher from Harvard, this is what he says. He wrote a book called Bowling Alone. He actually draws the correlation between church attendance, I'm not joking you, and happiness. So watch for the researcher language in this. This is what he found. People who do not attend church at all are significantly unhappier than the average person. People who attend church 20 times a year are averagely happy. Would you like to be averagely happy? Come here 20 times a year. People who attend church every week are the happiest people in America. That's what the research says. There's something about coming to church. Being with God's people, worshiping, praying, learning. There's something about that that simply leads to greater joy and happiness. Go figure. But it's not even just that. Sometimes people might come to church even for a long time. But here's the thing. Nobody knows them. If you want to remain anonymous in this church, you can probably do that fairly easily. You can come and you can leave and don't make eye contact. And say nothing and get in and get out. And that's kind of a tragic thing because you end up in this sort of chronic visitor mode. It's like, I'm not really connected, but I go to this thing. And you might still be relationally isolated, even as you're watching online, everyone in Alma or sitting right here in Mount Pleasant. I want you to experience community in your life. Don't only attend worship. And I really want to encourage you. Shane got up here earlier. We're so excited to have him as a part of the team here. I want to encourage you, get into community. At the end of September, I think it's the 30th, we're going to launch Alpha. I've actually taken Alpha four times in my life. It is a phenomenal trek through the Word of God in the context of a group of friends. If you're going to do it, can I please, please ask you, bring somebody with you, especially, it's okay if they're a Christian, that's great, but especially somebody who knows nothing about the Bible or Jesus. It is unbelievably perfect for that. It's fantastic. So I would encourage you to get in on that if you can. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. The time to build community and friendships and connection and relationships is now. Because if you wait for the phone to ring, you'll be too late. And I've seen this too many times. The phone rings and it's tragic and the storm comes and you don't know what to do. And it feels like everything is falling apart. You're already isolated and in that moment, you do not have the wherewithal or the energy and it feels so awkward for that to be the time that you actually reach out. It's just so difficult. 
The time to build community is before the phone rings. Verse 25, what we just read in Hebrews 20, uh, 10. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So maybe you're not in a crisis, right? God is greater than the highs. And you would just say, I got life dialed in right now. I feel pretty self-sufficient. Everything's great. And if that's you right now, I'm going to make you two promises. Number one, the phone call will come. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but it will come in your life. And when it comes, you will realize, I actually need people. You cannot stand alone. A bursting heart, a dancing heart, and a breaking heart needs somebody to come and stand alongside you. The second promise is this. Even if you think today, I don't really need anybody. I'm fine. I'm telling you right now, somebody needs you. Biblically speaking, if you are a follower of Christ, somebody needs you. Somebody needs your prayer. Somebody needs your touch, your connection. Somebody needs your challenge, your loving challenge to somebody else. They need it. Somebody needs hope, and it's got to come out of your mouth. And it's this really strange thing about community. It's when you actually step into community because you genuinely want to care and help other people. And somehow in the midst of that, mysteriously, you actually end up receiving this community and this relationship back in your life as well. God has a solution to alone. God has a solution to isolation, which some of you have felt over these last few weeks and months during COVID. And his solution is called family. Here's how it works. I love this. Whether you're young or old, rich or poor, whether today you came limping in here hurt, or whether you're healthy, you are welcome in the loving embrace of Jesus Christ in this family. Whatever your religion or spirituality or economics, whatever your sexuality or ethnic or emotional background or status, everybody is welcome in the family of God. You might be in the middle of something right now. God is greater than the highs. He's greater than the lows. And that might describe you today. You might be in the middle of something right now. And your world is turned upside down. And you're just trying to figure all of that out. Perhaps you feel really weak. Here's what the head of the family says about you when you feel really weak. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I love this. My grace is sufficient for you. This is actually a fellow by the name of Paul who writes this. Paul is an incredibly smart guy, a very resourceful individual. And what he's saying is, I get these times in my life where I'm all out. I got no more chips to play. I got no more way to figure my way out of this. And I'm wiped out and exhausted and I'm unraveling. And he says, I love that moment because that's when God's strength is brought into my life. And that's for you today. God shows up strong when you're weak. That way, when the phone rings and you're trying to figure out which way is up and which way is down, and you don't know what the solution is or how long this is going to last, God is there. This book is full of stories. It's full of stories of people, and life came and just kicked them in the teeth. Joseph, he goes from a prison to a throne. Daniel goes from a lion's den to this incredible place of authority and power. Israel, go from a place of slavery to a promised land. 
Esther goes from a harem girl to an absolute hero. Peter goes from ratting out Jesus to being like, you're going to be like this rock in the church. What if your story isn't done yet? What if you came in here and everything about your life right now is actually, man, I'm anxious and I don't know what to do and I feel, I feel rattled in all of this. And I'm saying to you, God is greater than that context in your life. But what if your story isn't done yet? Because if you look at the story of Christianity, it is a story that crescendos at this lowest, horrendous point called the crucifixion. And yet if Christianity is about anything, it's about the fact that there's nobody on that cross because of the resurrection. What if that were to be your story? What if your story became part of a larger story that was marked by a cross, but yet it emptied and it finished with an empty tomb? What if I could be known by other people, even in this church? more deeply and more fully than I've ever experienced before. And it wasn't just for any one of you. You're like, okay, well, if I'm going to be part of this, like I'll contribute and I'll bring what I can bring and, and I'll help and I'll invest and I'll pour out my skill and my talents and I'll do that. What if it wasn't even about that? What if it was actually you in the context of this community, in the context of your hurts and your foibles and your faults and your sin and your fear and your pain and your scars? And we knew it. We're like, yeah, that's you. That's me. What if God were to use the pain and uncertainty of this situation right now to build deeper relationships in your life and bring you into a more inclusive and healing community than you've ever known before and it didn't have anything to do with what you could contribute or what good thing you could do or what talents you could bring to bear? What if it really was his strength when you're weak? And every time you felt more weak, it was like, great, because here comes more of God's strength. People in addiction. People in recovery. People going through homelessness and joblessness. People on their third divorce. Someone who's just gone through an abortion or a prison sentence. People who are just like, I'm just done pretending that everything is perfect. Anyone ever get tired of that? And we do it all the time. We just... We can't help ourselves. We have to put our best foot forward and, and present this image of ourselves. What if we just stop pretending that we're never anxious or afraid about things? What if we stop pretending that, you know, we're not depressed or that sometimes we're riddled with jealousy or anger or we feel wounded by people? What if we stop pretending that sometimes we have thoughts in our heads that we don't want them to be there, but they're there? What if we met with people and instead of hiding secret shame, we all just met together and we put aside all of that pretend game and we just actually met, like, imagine we just don't have reputations that we're trying to elevate and, and put in front of people all the time. In fact, what if we just recognized, <laughs> man, I fit in this club really well. What if we just celebrated a recognition of total mutual inadequacy. <laughs> I could totally join that club. I could be captain of that club. I'm going to need an amen church, so I'm not alone on this. And then if that like honest inadequacy was laid out there, and then what would it do? Do you know what it would do? It would actually lead us to a place of confession and repentance and then humility and then healing and then acceptance would come into the family of God and then servanthood and courage in the name of Jesus Christ that would actually bring new life and new birth because of his redemptive work. That's the gospel. What if we just double down on Jesus, double down on the cross, 
double down on the resurrection and we just got on with it together. Please do not come outside or on the backside of COVID. And I, I know I don't, nobody knows when is, when, when is the end destination. I don't know. But what if, we, what if we, please don't come out of the tail end of this thing, whatever that is, and then just go back to the way you were, preoccupied, running around like crazy, just covered in noise and self-isolation. Listen to this. I heard this this week. Man, this is good. Jesus endured loneliness in the wilderness so that you could enjoy adoption in the family. Thank you, Lord. We're talking about isolation. Jesus endured loneliness and isolation in the wilderness so that you could enjoy adoption in the family. Get in the family. Don't hide inside the family. Let's learn the hard lesson that we never asked for and, pl- and find ourselves in the middle of a very flawed group of people, but are also a very loved group of people. It's called the family of God. So that when you pray, like Jesus taught us to pray, and finally, in the plurality that comes out of your mouth, and you actually say, our Father, you recognize this very, very clearly, That's what, that what you are saying and experiencing and believing in that moment, and I'm looking at all the guys here, that you and you and you and you and you and you, when I say our Father, I'm saying this, you're my brother and I'm your brother. And as I look at all the ladies in here, that you and 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 every one of you, I'm saying, you are my sister and I am your brother. And together we look up to the heavens and we say, and he is our Abba Father. Let's pray. Father, would you please save us from hiding and ducking out? And being unknown, would you help us to stand up and say, look, this idea of yours, God, this idea of family, I'm going to cannonball into the deep end, and I'm going to love and serve, and I'm going to celebrate other people. I'm going to know, I'm actually going to know other people, like really know them. And then, Lord, maybe as much as I struggle with this, or maybe even as much as I hate this, I'm going to let other people serve me and love me and celebrate me and really know me. God, I pray for every group that's going to be launched over the next few weeks. God, would you help us to lose the fake? That we'd actually be courageous enough to reveal the honesty of our weakness and get a bit vulnerable so that there's actually space for you, for your strength and your grace and your power. And God, that when imperfections are actually seen, that this family would have the maturity not to sort of gape and gasp, but that we would embrace and care and help and pray and love instead of judging or turning away or or pointing the finger. God, over these next few weeks, as we look at COVID-19, as we look at the the reality and the issue of racism in our hearts and in this country and in in our lives, God, we ask you to teach us. We want to We want to hear wisdom calling out to us to take stock and to to look to your word. But in the midst of all that, I pray that we would just be great family members, just the way you wanted it. Every group and tons of new groups would just be filled with brothers and sisters who have the gift of community and the family of God right there so that when the phone rings, we're there for each other. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And the whole church together said, 
Blessings and love, everybody. We'll see you next week. We're